Today, we're going to talk about the various career options a computer science and or an IT engineer can pursue, rather any technologically sound engineer. Also, a little something on the technical and non-technical roles in any firm will come your way. everyone welcome to another edition of verbos log podcast this is rutuja your host for this episode i introduce you to our esteemed guest mr saurabh nanda he is a veteran career consultant educational psychologist and an e-learning expert with an experience of 9 plus years in various domains of education and 2 plus years in the IT industry he has impacted over 14000 students across denmark india and japan as a part of yunga the youth and united nations global alliance he is the co-founder of the happy career project whereby he unearths solutions to the career problems of professionals and students over to you sir Uh, thank you so much Rutuja that was a very nice introduction okay so uh, let's start with the recent talk of the town as our episode is on the career options uh, with elon musk outpassing jeff bezos to become the richest man in the world technopreneurship is one term that has been repetitive in social media uh, what scope do you think this role holds for our youth and would you pinpoint any skills for the same so that's a very interesting question and it has uh, multiple layers to it um simplifying something like what elon musk has been able to do and what uh, jeff bezos has been able to do uh in in one small uh, word or phrase or something which is trending well will might not do justice to it for example elon musk is uh, is a completely you know a core technical guy um started off uh, with coding for messenger apps and so on and uh, you know made his um billions uh, through paypal uh, so then he went on to solve other problems and that's that's what i want to uh, focus on actually the entire conversation uh, about solving problems whereas if you look at jeff bezos he was uh, he's, he's a wall street guy uh, saw there's a there's there's a gap in the market and went ahead uh, to solve that problem so um technopreneurship sure uh, i would like to define it in a different way um i would like to define it in a way where people are solving uh, problems using technology and uh, becoming highly successful in that all right so when you talk about all these big brands is these these big companies um yes a lot of them uh, have uh, started off as uh, technical projects uh, people who are the founders are uh, you know uh, they have backgrounds in uh, technology but a lot of them actually don't have backgrounds in technology they have backgrounds in business they have background in other things uh, so yes everyone knows about elon musk and uh, jeff bezos but when you come when you talk about india you should know about zerodha uh, which is one of the biggest companies uh, today in india and it has been founded by stockbrokers it it actually uses ai ml uh, and ml to uh, uh, you know for for bringing the most comprehensive ui for any kind of uh, trading uh, in in stocks today so those guys they are not from technology background but they realize that this is needed the the stock broking software available today in india by sher khan and all these other companies 
can be improved quite a lot and uh, they did that and they they are i think uh, top 30 richest uh, in india today so so you need to uh, think of technopreneurship from an angle not just that a technical person is using technology to uh, you know uh, start a company and make a lot of money but you need to think uh, of technopreneurship from an angle where anyone uses technology to solve a given problem in a particular domain or industry so um Let's Absolutely. move on to the next question. How much should we be aware of the financial aspects of it if you want to work in a fintech company as a financial analyst? You know, these companies that provide financial services through software or other technology and include anything from mobile payment apps to cryptocurrency. Uh, what are the technological skills required to get in and what domains of finance should we be aware of? Right. So that's a that's an interesting question as well. Um, uh, I would first like to answer about the financial uh, industry and then probably extrapolate that answer uh, to other industries as well. Now, given any industry and any problem that you're trying to solve, you need to understand uh, different parts of the problem or the industry, which includes industry data, research data, policies of the government, um, newer technologies and so on. Only then you will be able to visualize something, right? So, so that is the job of the people who have who are leading that company. Um, if you want to work in such a company, you will have multiple job profiles available and you will still be working in the fintech industry. Um, if, if you're talking about cryptocurrency, then obviously, you know, blockchain is something that you need to understand or distributed ledger, that is the technical term for it. Yes. You need to understand those aspects. But uh, how much of the stock market do you need to know or the regulations of the RBI do you need to know? Not a lot. Because for those uh, purposes or those aspects, they already have experts or they're going to hire other experts, right? Um, however, having said that, you once you get into the fintech world, you will get regular exposure to the domain knowledge related to the finance world, which might uh, help you in designing a future for yourself, which involves less of the technology uh, building and more of domain knowledge. So uh, I, I know a lot of people who used to work in IT um, then moved on and worked in government sectors or PSUs, um, then did their MBA and then because now they have this combination of experience, which includes government sector, which includes IT, which includes MBA. And uh, a lot of them are working in fintech today because it's, it's a particular knowledge base that they have developed, which is required by a fintech company. It might be at Google, Flipkart or Zeroda for all that matter. Uh, and you are needed for that. But you will have to develop the uh, domain knowledge. Unfortunately, our Indian engineering colleges do not provide a lot of cross-discipline or cross-functional knowledge to students where they can, uh, you know, really increase their knowledge of a particular domain. That is why you will see a lot of universities abroad uh, and some universities in India as well have started uh, giving uh, focus on both computer science and economics at the same time. So you're not really an engineer and you're not really an, an economist, but you know, uh, you get enough knowledge of both so that you can choose which dimension or which direction to go into. It also, the same logic applies to any other domain for that matter. Let's say you want to work in psychology, but if you don't really know computer science, how can you think of making a technological solution which can provide services in the psychology domain? So you know, if you have knowledge of both, then you can probably decide 
but so far uh, the only way for uh, indian engineers to get this knowledge is to start working in 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 an uh, in a domain where their technical skills are required because that is the reason why you will be hired and then while working at that company start building up their domain knowledge by going through certifications which the company only will help you learn and then probably think of switching uh, from technology to more of domain expertise does that answer your question yes sir definitely it does answer insightful really insightful uh hopping on to the next question what role does a product manager play in a company and is it necessary to have an in-depth knowledge about the technology in use so uh i'm i'm assuming that you're only talking about the product manager in an it company right yes sir yes sir all right because product manager can mean anything amazon has product managers and uh, uh you know so does uh, zomato so uh, but their jobs are very very different um and then you have uh, tcs which has product managers so um if you are going for a product based service a product based company um or at least well even even tcs etc they have saas as products now so getting uh, to a level where you are managing the entire aspects of all the uh, of of the product is is a very senior position all right um you are looking at not only the uh, development bit of it then you're looking at the client requirements and client relations sales you're looking at the profitability you're looking at resource allocation you're looking at uh, testing and deployment of the uh, software you're looking at uh, legacy systems uh and uh, so on and so forth so that's a very senior position to be in um and it will take uh, a few years uh you know to get there a few years and and you will have to increase your expertise both technically and uh, project management wise um only then then you get to that level so uh in an it company once you reach that level the technology portion will decrease but project management portion will increase quite a bit now Uh, what does that mean so all the engineers uh, let me let me give you some more gyan again a little bit technology has a half life now all of your science students right so i i am assuming that you understand what is half life yeah so technology has a half life around 2 and 2 and a half years yes sir okay 2 to 2 and a half years that is the half life that means uh, let's say you're learning language xyz right now uh, within 4 to 5 years that language will actually uh not be the most uh, you know uh, in demand language in the market anymore mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that uh, that the people will not be needed for it they will be needed for it because there are already products and services which have been created using that language so to maintain them enhance them and so on there will be people who will be needed but they will not be the most in demand language so whatever you learn today that will more or less get obsolete in the next 4 years 5 years when you reach a product manager level you started coding around uh, 7 to 10 years ago <laughs> so obviously those yeah. technologies are not being used right now mm-hmm. all right so uh, whatever technical expertise you had in coding or uh, you know you you knew a lot of uh, syntax and semantics by heart uh, that might not even be needed anymore um so that is why your technology knowledge kind of uh, decreases or becomes obsolete and your project management knowledge becomes more important uh, which you keep on absorbing daily does it answer your question yes sir with due course of time we can always learn the project manager thing 
um next yeah. question software developer is a broad term right so uh, how would you describe this position and expertise required for it right so uh, software developer well developing any software or software as a service um it requires a lot of people and a huge team uh, to visualize it right uh it requires uh, sometimes use of multiple technologies uh, also so let me just take a small example of uh, the project that i worked on i mean it's 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 more than a decade now but still uh, the the uh, you know the the principles the foundation remains the same so i was working in a project which had three layers there was the backend layer or the primitive layer uh it was developed on unix because that was developed in the 80s right now the system was working on unix um and what we had to do was uh, my job was not as part of that team my job was uh, part of the uh, newer technology team which basically created a layer on top of the unix system so when you open your computer and open that software you would not see the unix system you would see the new layer which was developed on uh, csharp.net okay now uh, so we were also software developers the unix guys were also software developers right and then there were the business analysts uh, who would keep changing uh, the requirements and uh, based on a lot of uh, logic and different use cases different users were given access and so on and so forth so such a large enterprise level software we we develop software for uh, american banks um such a large enterprise level software requires uh, multiple people uh, working at multiple levels and so there is development there is deployment there is uh, testing uh, there are legacy systems as i said and uh, then there are project managers there are business analysts um then uh, <laughs> uh, there are technical workers who are actually physically managing the servers etc and uh, you know we're at various deployment sites um, so so it's it's a huge team uh, and as a software developer when you get hired um please look at the fine print also because uh you will see that there there are different kind of vacancies some are looking for developers for the front layer ui ux so on uh some are looking basically for the back end some are looking people uh, for people uh, who come from networking backgrounds like ccna ccnp and all those people um who can manage the networks keep them secure then there is data security uh there is a uh, compliance there there are a lot of things that a software developer can do or get into and uh, the journey is pretty similar for all of them yes sir the your answer actually tells that you have a diversified career spectrum and that's really amazing inspiring in fact um thank you <laughs> next question recent statistical analysis has shown that there's decrease in testing jobs and the developer does the testing work too on that note we'd like to know what are your views on testing profile as a career option so testing uh, well it's it is one of those things which is dying if not died if not already dead all right um surely because there used to be a time when uh, you know everyone had to physically see if the field is working or not so they would type in something and you know create use cases use excel sheets and all that um but that all has changed uh, dramatically over the especially over the last 8 uh, 8 to 9 years why because automation has come in 
now um, what you need what all you need to do is you need to use certain automation software or develop your own uh, automation programs which can populate the fields of whatever software or app you have created on its own using a using random number generators or using a pool of uh, uh, data which can be used as fields just to see whether the field input is correct whether the processing of the input is correct whether the output is correct uh, whether the client can see or whether the user can see the results in time and so on and so forth everything can be noticed uh, just by putting in programs instead of people so so that automation uh, those scripts um, are written by uh, software engineers uh, so a lot of testers actually started learning coding uh, back in the day just to get uh, ahead and uh, you know start uh, working start making their own programs for testing that is why since you have to write a program for testing itself right now uh, developers have to do the testing uh, on their own because they not only have to create the program which is going to run the software or the app uh, they also need to create uh, software or apps or use certain other apps for testing by giving the app or software certain commands that this is my soft this is my app these are the fields this is the kind of input which can go into it. This is the process. This is the output which will come out. All you need to do is fit that in. The system will generate a report and tell you whether the software is good to go or not. Yeah, that's that. So uh, next question. Business okay. analytics is, uh, it requires an extra amount of skill set, right? So how can we acquire that and do internships in the same as a computer science or an IT engineer? And that's as a, a fresher, particularly. That's a, that's a very good question. Um, data analytics, business analytics involves crunching data, uh, huge data sets, um, creating uh, software which can understand and, uh, that data and process that data and uh, bring out something which, can, which makes sense uh, to the user. Um, it involves a lot of uh, DBMS. It involves a lot of uh, programming. It involves using different software. Uh, and creating use cases. Uh, so pretty much essentially, you know, what a software engineer does. And if you have uh, the right knowledge base or if you have the right programming skills, uh, then you should start applying uh, for these vacancies for internships, especially in, in your uh, early year, second or third year. Um, so that, you know, based on these internships, you will gain the experience which you can use later on to get a job in the same company or apply to companies which require similar skill sets. Um, because usually what happens with business analytics is they, they take more experienced people. Um, so experience is key over here. And that is okay. why you should have a lookout for these. Okay. Uh, so while the search was at pace for amassing resources for this episode, uh, I hit this article, MB After Engineering has come up as the most popular undergraduate plus postgraduate course combination. Uh, why do you think so? Set aside their interest part and the monetary value because, well, MBA candidates are paid in hefty amounts in equivalence to MS candidates. Okay. Um, I think there are uh, two, three questions that I would need to answer as part of this one big questions uh, this one big question well in india it is generally seen that a lot of engineers i i don't want to give any figure i don't have any data to sources to support that but uh, in my opinion around 80% of the engineers don't do engineering related work in india all right and out of those 80% uh, you will see a huge chunk 
70-75% of that goes for MBA. All right. Why? Because they suddenly realize, oh my God, we've, we've committed a lot of sins in our life <laughs> by choosing engineering. Let's just get rid of those yeah. sins by, you know, taking a dip in the holy MBA Ganga. And uh, probably then we can make a better career for ourselves. But um, that is, those are the engineers uh, who were never meant to be engineers because they had other talents. Um, well, for whatever reasons, they ended up doing engineering. I think we can all understand we we've all gone through that same journey. Um, yeah. But now they are willing to explore, you know. So uh, engineering plus MBA being the most sought after combination I, I would say um, yes and no. Um, MBA is most beneficial for you if you have certain experience under your belt. All right. You have two, three years, four years of experience uh, working in any industry. MBA really adds value to you because then your package can really take a jump. Uh, it can double, triple, even uh, become four times what you were earning before. Uh, if not more, all right. But just going for a combination of these things, like engineering plus MBA, if there's an integrated program, uh, something like that will might not help you, all right. Might not help you unless and until you do it from the top thirty B schools in the country. So the other part is the MS part. All right, let's talk about MS um, again. If you're doing your MS from IISC, IITs, or let's say top uh, top forty institutes in the country, you you have you really have good uh, opportunities uh, lying in front of you. Um, again, you will have to go through the selection process of companies anyhow. If if you are an amazing coder or programmer, they will still take a test before hiring you. And if you really shine in that. Sure, go ahead, because uh, you will see in campuses, there are no, uh, a lot of companies don't really have job profiles. I'm talking about Indian MS or Indian MTech. Uh, they don't really have a lot of job profiles, which specifically require an MS or an MTech. Yeah. Whereas abroad, this is a completely different scenario. Abroad, college education is very different from India. It's taken much seriously. You really have to develop a lot of skills uh, during the four years in engineering. And then if you do an MS, your package definitely takes a huge jump. But then you are going into a very highly technical field at that time or in that direction doing an MS. Um, coming to the third bit, uh, does this uh, help, uh, you know, engineers who are passionate about engineering? Well, increasing your knowledge about engineering will definitely help you. Um, but given what context are you really looking at? If you're doing your MTech just to get placed in the same IT, ITES jobs, which other people are getting after BTech, it's it's not worth it, to be honest, because you can just learn something on your own for a couple of months and you will still be able to clear the technical interview and so on. Um, if you want to open up your own company while using technical skills, go ahead, uh, build those skills, but you don't really need an MBA right now. To be honest, you just start coding, make the product. You can then just give, uh, you know, go on your social media, LinkedIn or Facebook or any other social media that you say, and you say, I, I have developed a product. All right. I am the technical person. I am the CTO. I need somebody to take care of business and you will get a lot of 
people just uh, you know discussing with you 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 focus on the technical side all right so that that would be my recommendation you don't really need to go for an mba or ms directly after engineering to enhance your technical skills but if you want to go for uh, mba to escape engineering go ahead mba is a great option for that try and get into the top 30 b schools otherwise it's it's going to be <laughs> disappointing yeah surely on that note sir uh, there's this mba equivalent degree pgdm post graduate diploma in management offered by the right. top b schools like iims and xlri instead yeah. of an mba degree but the syllabus for both is almost the same with a tad bit here and there so how is it different from the other and which one is better in what facet so um that's that's a you know uh, that's a doubt a lot of people have it's only a technical difference technical difference not even uh, related to curriculum actually it's a technical difference related to the structure of the organization structure of the universities in india and the accreditation that they have received so almost all b schools in india i remember there there are a couple of b schools uh, mm-hmm. who offer an mba degree all right i can't remember the names because well it was not really relevant um but almost all the top b schools in india iims isb great lakes mdi so on and so forth they offer a pgdm which is a post graduate diploma it can be for 2 years it can be for 1 year it is the same as an mba degree the only thing is indian government aicte ugc they don't really recognize uh, the two uh, year pgdm and iim as a degree however there have been uh, movements and discussions uh, which will convert these pgdm degrees into full time degrees pgdms into uh, full time degrees so so you know a future batch of mba students from these colleges will receive degrees and not diplomas now otherwise there is no difference if you want to do an mba in india you will get a post graduate diploma program all right uh, a lot of countries do offer mba as a degree but then a lot of countries also uh, follow the same as indian uh, country indian colleges do they offer you a pgdm not a degree all right Yeah. um if you look at global rankings the number one b school from india this year uh, for 2020 uh, rankings uh, isb is ranked number one both in economic uh, the economist and the financial times um it has a one year pgdm uh, iim ahmedabad comes uh, a distant second to isb but even then the program from iim ahmedabad which is evaluated is not the pgdm two year pgdm it it is the executive one year uh, mba program which is called the executive pgdm all right so uh, don't go by the rankings also this is just a technical difference the companies they are agnostic about this they don't care all right they will hire you if you are from one of these places uh, and if you are good enough that's good that's really good a data scientist is someone who is better at statistics than any software engineer and better at software engineering than any statistician so uh, what would you say about this would you reflect on this sure i mean it it makes uh, it makes sense because uh, as i said uh, before uh, you know programming today has become a basic skill for any professional any professional um so a statistician who wanted to analyze a lot of data using software uh, 
just learned how to program and created a program which crunches data for him according to his needs or logic. That's what a data scientist essentially is. And data scientist essentially is, right? So did he study software engineering in his uh, degree, uh, graduate degree? Uh, we don't know. Uh, did he develop a love for programming uh, like a lot of uh, companies are uh, advertising nowadays that children love programming sometimes? We don't know. He just saw a problem. And to solve the problem, he learned programming, solved it. So that's a data scientist. If you have programming skills, you can go the other direction also, which means you can actually uh, learn domains and uh, start understanding how to crunch big data sets and go towards that. Machine learning uh, basically tells you more about that only. So, yeah, um, sure. I, I like that sentence and it's uh, it perfectly sum summarizes, uh, you know, what I've been trying to say that programming is is just a tool nowadays uh, which yeah. which helps you find a solution to a problem yeah uh, a derivative from a previous question and the fact that this was something of an article in forbes magazine data scientists are also known as storytellers mm -hmm. that is the ability to take data understand it process it extract value from it visualize it and then communicate it that's going to be an important skill in the next decades the article said is this storytelling really an essential skill to excel in this field? Well, it is actually. Um, I, I was listening to this podcast uh, by uh, Mr. Amit Verma. He's, he's, I think he's India's most famous podcaster for serious intellectual uh, economics, politics related kind of conversations. And he was interviewing uh, this gentleman um, who is actually one of the pioneers in AI and data science. Uh, Indian uh, went to the US in the 70s, uh, late 70s. Now, he was talking about a case study. Um, this is from 95, 96. I mean, he started, uh, you know, using data science and artificial intelligence at that time. So that's why he's called a pioneer. Great. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, these investment banks he was working with, and uh, they wanted to know, um, you know, well, he had multiple stories. Let me, let me just uh, tell you about the story where he, he collected a lot of data from... Um, certain um, supermarkets in, in the northeast of the US where he found out that on certain days mm. there were certain kind of consumers who were visiting the uh, frequenting the uh, stores more. So on Wednesdays or Thursdays or one of these days there are a lot of women who would go and uh, do shopping. Why? Because on Wednesdays and Thursdays the supermarket would print out certain coupons in the local newspaper and there were more offers, right? And uh, he he just said that this is this is what is happening. And the investors they didn't realize that this was happening. And you know there were more people, uh, you know, who were visiting. There were more women, especially women housewives, they were visiting on Wednesdays and Thursdays. So immediately they they you know changed their strategies and tried selling more products which were attractive to them, just because they never really looked at the data from that perspective before. So data scientists do tell stories because they say on a Wednesday, <clears throat> 200 women will visit your store uh, and you will say, no, you're joking. And he said, no, I have the data to prove it. So yeah, yeah. sure, they are storytellers. <laughs> Economists <laughs> are storytellers. They, they basically talk about data. Mr. Anirban uh, Banerjee, 
Mm-hmm. I always get his name wrong. I'm not sure if this is the right name again. Please correct me. Uh, the economist who won the Nobel Prize, uh, uh, economist of Indian origin, in in 2019 about poor economists. Uh, he he talks about the same things. If you if you read his book, uh, Poor Economics, he he okay. talks about the fact that the poor people poor people think in a very different manner. you might be thinking are yaar why don't they realize that if you go for good education automatically your future will become better because you will get a good job and so on and so forth but that is not their problem the problem is not about long term vision they can't afford to have long term vision because they don't have food to eat for dinner so the, the, their thought process is completely different and he could realize this by doing a lot of data analysis so again economists data scientists they are all storytellers because now they have the uh, the ingredients to create a great story hmm so conclusion it is an essential skill sure um, absolutely in fact yeah. uh, with in today's world you should not tell a story without any evidence to back it up yeah uh so with exponential rise in ai ml technologies would it be st- uh, smart to start learning this right from the first year absolutely absolutely um so i don't know uh, a lot about the curriculum being taught at different engineering colleges today um but i'm just assuming that it's it's less than satisfactory all right uh when it comes to new technologies and probably you can you can help me out uh, when i say that it is less than satisfactory how much of python is taught at your college uh, from the official curriculum yeah no uh, only a limited syllabus is taught otherwise we do courses and then yeah we learn on ourselves exactly so so this is the case right the colleges are only going to give you a degree and a, a, a placement season where you can apply for jobs to the companies which are coming right they're not going to give you hard skills it was the same during my time in nit which is a national level college and so on it uh, it's not there's nothing wrong with colleges it's just it's just that um their curriculum is outdated and they're not working on it uh, aggressively to change it so students who really go ahead are those who just take courses like you said and uh, learn it on their own um if you're a computer science engineer or if you're somebody who's interested in computer science um, programming etc the moment you enter engineering start learning things on your own you should have a timeline in place uh, learn skills in first year do your small little project so that you understand what they are all about start second year onwards you should be there on all these freelancing websites uh, fiverr and make a profile on github etc and uh, just start collaborating on projects starting in paying projects um you know we had a few seniors in our time who were earning uh, 20 30k and this is like in 2005 uh, in in their third year and they were working for uh, soon soon in third year itself after doing some freelance projects they ended up working with oracle within college itself before their placement and they were earning a lot of money only because they didn't really follow the curriculum which was taught at the engineering college but they started learning the skills on their own go ahead learn skills college is not really going to help you a lot with that yeah this actually contradicts the fact that it is never too late actually it is too late when you you have to pr- properly plan your things and set them apart you're absolutely right see uh, rutuja i mean if you if you just think about the fact that i told you if you just compare the data right 
um, technology has a half life of two and a, two or two and a half years. That means after four or five years, the technology is gone. It's obsolete. If you start learning something in the first year of college, hmm. by the time you exit the college, <laughs> that technology might not be in demand anymore. Yeah. So True. you learn as much as you want, as much as possible. Keep updating yourself. Uh, college is a great time to do it because you have a lot of time on your hands. Um, uh, you know, so do other things also. It's it's a fun time, but also develop these things. You will automatically get ahead of the competition very quickly. Yeah. Um. So there's this technical question with rise in web apps. Are jobs for Android developers at risk? No, not really. Um. <laughs> uh. Let me tell you why. India, ninety-two percent of Indian mobile uh, smartphone users they use Android-based phones. Ninety-two percent. Uh, 4% iOS and well the rest of the 4% they are using Symbian, Linux, etc. Right. Uh, or they don't even have smartphones. Then there are almost 500 million Indians still left who are going to jump onto the internet. They haven't really started using internet properly yet. All right. There are 500 million. That's, that's more than the population of US and Russia combined. So and they're all going to go for uh, Android. Uh, I mean, iOS has started selling slightly cheaper phones now, but still the Indian consumer still wants to buy a phone which is between the ranges of, uh, you know, uh, 5,000 to 15,000. That's that's the comfort level. And only Android does that. So you will need to make more and more apps which are, well, not only in English or Hindi, but they are in uh, the major languages like Marathi, Telugu, Kannada, Punjabi, Gujarati, etc. But also in... Uh, Manipuri, Naga, uh, Tulu, and all these other languages which India speaks. Uh, so all those web developers, all those Android developers have a lot of work to do. They have to make these apps for everything, for buying groceries to uh, Amazon, to Zomato, uh, to filing their uh, tax, income tax online, to getting to, to uh, actually um, voting for your local politicians, because that is going to happen in the next five years, you will see. So Android mm -hmm. developers, don't worry about it. Yes, the technology, the 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 uh, the platforms that you have been using to develop uh, apps, they will change, they will evolve, but Android is going nowhere. Yeah, about that point, um, the diversification of India has finally paid off because the employment will increase. That was the one point I wanted to bring up. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, yeah. Like developing apps and web apps, etc. has become so easy now. Uh, the moment mm -hmm. it becomes available in Hindi, you will see a surge in developers in all these small little tier six cities also. The moment it starts uh, being available in other languages, you will see that uh, more and more people are developing Android apps. Um, Google will not charge $25 as their developer fees anymore they will probably charge two and a half dollars because not every indian can afford it um, but there will be more developers it's just pick and drop and you create an app yeah okay another one um so would you suggest any unconventional path for getting into research and development careers so that's that's a question i really like um research and development uh, especially in computer science um still happens in a lot of uh, core uh, areas uh, and core places okay mm, mathematical modeling is still uh, still there and computer science is needed for it so 
you want to do research in computer science, start with uh, your MS or MTech. All right. Then move on towards PhD. Move on towards working with uh, scientific research organizations which need computer science technology to help them uh, break the next frontier. All right, because they're all uh, always limited by some small technology which it doesn't which doesn't exist today. So they're not able to get the you know data for one particle or something like that. Um, so they need people. Uh, quite uh, skillful people who can devise technologies of that scale. So start working with those organizations. You will automatically work uh, on projects which are R&D related. All right. Um, taking example from India, there is an organization called CDAC. Um, they, then, uh, you know, uh, METI, the Ministry of Information Technology, it has uh, opened up quite a few organizations wherein you can actually work and contribute to digital India. India stack is something that all of you should really, really focus on because you're computer science engineers. The other day I was reading this very, very fascinating article. Uh, it was a 43 or 45 minute read about India stack. India stack is the bunch of APIs and technologies which is based on the biometrics that the government has uh, collected and given you a single identity known as Aadhaar number. Or UIPAI, right? So, you, so it, India is the only country in the world which has done this so far. Other countries are following India when it comes to this. Philippines, Ethiopia, all these countries want to implement similar systems. Even the US is far behind us when it comes to something like this. Um, so, you should really focus on those because what I would like in the future to see in the future is now all of us can GPay, right? All of us can spend send money through WhatsApp. How is it possible? It is possible because first you had the Aadhaar card. Based on the Aadhaar card, the bank is has been able to verify you. And then uh, using some secure APIs, only then bank is giving that access to Google. Google is talking to you, taking money from you, sending it to the bank of some, uh, account from somebody else. And all this is done seamlessly. This is because this movement started in 2009. What is the next frontier for this? And the next frontier for this is how can you use this uh, India stack to actually... Um, help people uh, go for elections online. Why am I giving you this example? Because this only happened after a lot of research, R&D done by computer science engineers. So get into fields like this, get into organizations like this, and you will get into R&D, which will have long lasting uh, products, which products and services, which are the future of the entire world. Uh, they will they will run for next 10, 20 years, if not more. Uh, so a lot of exciting work over there. Yeah, you've thrown light on many resources in your answer. Thank you for that. Uh, moving on to our next question, actually moving to the end of our episode. Uh, there are these fellowship programs for grad as well as post-grad students. And having them on one's resume has actually set those students apart from competent candidates. So uh, would you reflect on this and what are some fellowship our Indian students who want to pursue MS and MBA abroad can apply for and how hard is it to get one? Sure. Uh, so that's a very interesting question. And you will see that, that as you rightly mentioned, there are so many fellowships right now um, available. And one should definitely make use of these fellowships. Now, what exactly are fellowships? Well, the technical term for fellowship was used when somebody would apply for a PhD uh, to a university. So they would call them a research fellow. All right, or a fellow of a particular society, uh, like the Royal Society of Science, 
uh, in the UK in the 1800s and so on and so forth. In today's world, fellows are representatives and members of different organizations who have uh, different aims uh, to do things, all right? Uh, there are fellowships available for sustainable development. There are fellowships available for social work. Uh, and uh, there are uh, fellowships available for policy. There are fellowships available for education, um, grassroots uh, change, uh, working in municipal schools, etc., etc. so much. Why do these fellowships exist? Because clearly there is a huge gap between what the government policies make, the private players do, and people still don't get all the advantages of this so these fellowships plug the gap for these people they give exposure to young bright students to see that these are the problems which exist in society now can you with your knowledge with maybe your technical expertise can you help and try and solve these problems to a certain extent maybe tell more people about it maybe create a website for it maybe help a, a social media campaign maybe volunteer maybe mm -hmm. uh, do research whatever fan you know gives you uh that that adrenaline rush oh my god i'm working on this particular project you will search and you will get fellowships for that for example one of the oldest uh you know uh, most prestigious fellowships is the gandhi fellowship by the Panamal organization Panamal foundation wherein uh undergrad students the moment they finish their uh, graduation they can apply and for two years if you get selected they will be sending you to rural rajasthan i think or gujarat wherein you have to work with uh, the school headmaster, the school primary school or uh, Sarkari school headmaster in these uh, villages and help the headmaster get more students to the school. You have to work there for two years, live there. Uh, and obviously there is some training, uh, etc. You give them a stipend also. That just opens up your eyes to so many other things. Then there is the Teach for India Fellowship, which started, I think, 10, 11 years ago. Um, and, you know, you can actually teach in seven different cities in India, in the municipal schools over there. And then uh, there is, uh, even if you don't have time for, you know, two years of fellowship, there, is, there are one-year fellowships, there are three-month fellowships now. Uh, there is a Jagriti Yatra, Tatra Jagriti, it used to be the Tata Jagriti Yatra, uh, wherein they take you in the winter months, they will take you throughout India for, uh, you know, over two to three weeks, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and they will show you all these wonderful social projects which are going on. Now, why am I giving you all these examples is because I was I was part of a fellowship myself in Japan in 2019 and uh, I discovered the sustainable development goals over there. I mean, they have been there since 2015, but I never really knew about them. And I was so fascinated by them. So I'm doing a couple of projects on it. So people like you, you need to understand that engineers build the future of the country because they have the technical expertise, the understanding of how to solve a problem. If you're not using it to solve the problems that the country is facing right now, then you are going to be in, in a problem. All right. Because you are then working for companies. That is great. I mean, build your personal future. But then how is it helping the entire uh, nation? It, to a certain extent it is, but then you can do more. So go for a fellowship, explore the world, see where you can actually uh, use your skills to solve real world problems rather than just making an improved software for a bank in, in Europe. All right. So you can do much more than just doing that because that job you will get later on also. Uh, this fellowship will change your life and perspective. 
Yeah, it's really helpful for the students. These concepts Absolutely. are available. Yeah. Um, so, towards the end of our episode now, any word of wisdom for our listeners, sir? Um, all you computer science engineers, uh, IT engineers, my my only uh, wisdom words of wisdom for you are: uh, try to solve problems. And in order to solve problems, you need to identify the problem first. The moment you are able to identify the problem, you will try looking for answers. You will automatically know which technology to go for, which uh, how it should be structured, who to talk to, and which team members you need. Mm. Try to solve problems. Don't try and yeah. run after skills. All right? Yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being a guest on our episode. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was my pleasure.